0: Can changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Baden and Rex. All right, welcome back to another episode of My Corner Universe. Today, we had Tish and Jessica from the FreeRobWill.org Project and going into this, I knew it was going to be a heavy conversation just because it's about uh, a man's innocence that is on death row currently. And um, these ladies are amazing in the sense that they've taken the baton and helped raise awareness to his case, which is crucial in a case like this um, to really shed light on the darkness that way uh, you know he isn't wrongfully executed since he's already been wrongfully prosecuted
1: yeah and i i didn't know anything about rob will or his case until it came yeah, across likewise. them on instagram and then just started you know learning more and reached out to them and thought they would be good guests it's totally different than a lot of our other uh guests that we have but it just, i still think it's, it's a story that's definitely worth learning more about i mean you think of rob who you know, after you listen to the podcast, and by all means, do your own research and, and try and dig in as deep as you can to the story. But it seems like all signs point to a wrongful conviction and that he's an innocent man sitting on death row. He lost already 20 years in the prime of his life, you know, in solitary confinement in jail. Um, and, you know, there is hope. You know, there's been some legal hope that's come for different appeals. So that's really good. Obviously, you know, it's not you know, it's not the best situation. He's still in, in jail right now, but there is hope. And, um, and just, yeah, just Jess and Tish, Tish, just, they just, you know, they know so much about the case. They explain it all so well. Um, and just, I really enjoyed the time talking with them about it.
0: Yeah. It, they bring some great information and really, uh, you know, they kind of alluded to this, but there's so many people right now that are incarcerated that are innocent and, uh, they have no financial gain in this. They are really just giving of their time and their energy to, uh, to help a man that's in prison. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing.
1: It's telling too that, I mean, neither of them knew Rob, right? right? Like they like, they they weren't weren't like family members or friends that are fighting for him. Like they didn't know him, you know, they just came across a story and like, I think what you were about to say is that it shows the validity of his argument that he's innocent is, is that like people definitely that are, you it know, definitely that does no connection with them are like, hey, I'm willing to fight, you know, spend years of my life and money helping to fight this person, you know, for him to to get, you know, acquitted.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so it'll be uh I'm definitely gonna, you know, start following the case moving forward. It sounds like it probably won't uh, you know, have any forward momentum until maybe next year. But um you know, it'll be interesting to see if this new uh, information that was hidden from the original prosecution is able to, uh, you know, tip the scales in his favor.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Um, check out freerobwill.org. org. Also follow them on social media, free rob will. And um, again, enjoy the episode. Share. Make sure you're uh, subscribing and enjoying these podcasts and them with people so you can get help get. Rob's story out tomorrow
0: yeah each each person that shares this you know a new set of ears learns about his story so thanks enjoy
1: welcome to another episode of my corner of the universe today we are joined by jessica and tish from freerobwill.org thank you ladies very much for joining us today yeah
0: thanks
2: for having
1: me great so um Obviously, I think a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with Rob Will um, and what he's going through right now. So instead of having me kind of stumble over what the story is, um, would one of you guys like to take it away, kind of the background of Rob's story and um, more or less where
3: it stands today? Do you like me to start with that, Jess? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So in 2002, uh, Rob was convicted and uh, sent to death row uh, for the murder of a police officer and that comes from a crime in 2000 where Rob and a few of his friends were uh, stripping car parts basically um, all out being naughty boys of an evening when two police officers uh, partners came across them um, one officer Deputy Kelly chased uh, Rob's co-defendant and Deputy Hill um, chased uh, Rob down um, do you want to carry
2: on? You know the five okay. just as well as I do, yeah. yeah. So, Deputy Hill chased Rob and got Rob into custody pretty quickly. In custody means he was handcuffed. Um, and then I don't know the exact number of minutes, but a few minutes after that, uh, there were shots fired. It was heard on, over the police radio. And Deputy Hill was shot, I think it was seven times, right? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as Rob was in in custody, Rob also got shot in the left hand. He's right-handed. So what happened from there?
3: (laughs) Yeah, Deputy Deputy Kelly was chasing Rob's co and Deputy Hill was chasing Rob. Um, The last thing, obviously, we know as Deputy Hill was murdered is the police uh, radio logs and then everybody's different stories. Um, Rob claims he was handcuffed by Deputy Hill. And then his co defendant came along a moment, about a minute later, um, and shot uh, Deputy Hill. Uh, yeah, sorry, Deputy Hill. Um, Deputy Kelly witnessed none of it. All of he got he got was the radio where he'd heard uh, Deputy Hill say, um, "I have one in custody now." Police training records, the way the police works with the training uh, books and and whatnot. Um, they state that in custody means somebody's subdued and handcuffed. That does not mean I've just grabbed him. That means he's in handcuffs, which does go along with what Rob says. And uh, on the crime scene, there are handcuffs on the ground. So that story is substantiated. Um, After the the shots go off over the radio, um, basically uh, Rob states that his co-defendant undid his handcuffs and they both fled. Um, From that point, 30 minutes later, more officers come along the scene and Deputy Hill's body is found. So that's the crime scene for you, basically. Gotcha.
0: And then Rob wasn't convicted of a crime until two years later after that?
3: That's just because of the length of time it takes to go to trial in America. Oh, okay, (laughs) got it. He was like, arrested. he could have been found innocent. You're going to spend two years in jail.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. He was um,
3: arrested after
1: that. He was, uh, had... he was
3: arrested four hours later. Gotcha. So according to Rob, after they had both fled, uh, Rob stole a car and drove uh, four hours, uh, four hours later was a- arrested in another town, North of Houston. Um, He was arrested by another police officer. He did not put up a fight. This is all substantiated at trial. He put his hands up and he was immediately arrested with no altercation with the police officer. Um, According to various witnesses um, who were there at the time, the co-defendant then ran to Rob's apartment where there were a number of witnesses. um, And he came in, confessed to the crime, took off his clothes, put them in the washing machine. Bloody clothes. (laughs) Took off his bloody clothes, put them in the washing machine, bleached them, confessed to the three different witnesses that were there, Mm -hmm. then proceeded to take his items that he had with him, put them in Rob's utility closet with a note that said, Rob, here's my stuff, and signed by another friend of theirs to try and frame that friend. Now, that stuff that he put in there included the holster for the murder weapon, uh, extra ammo for the murder weapon, along with other items such as bulletproof vests and other unpleasant items. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. So then,
1: so then Rob gets arrested. <clears throat> I'm guessing you know there was some sort of. Was he even released on bail, or did he have to spend the whole time in jail?
3: Um, no, he was, he was never released on uh, jail. Sorry, guess, Jess. Yeah, I guess okay.
1: probably when it's a you know suspicious murder of an officer, they usually don't.
0: Yeah, was uh, was Rob's co-defendant arrested uh, at a later time? When did he get arrested?
3: Uh, he was he was arrested several days later, um, but he he uh, was never interrogated. They allowed uh, until after he was allowed to speak with his police officer father. That was allowed by the police that he could meet with his father before ever being interrogated. His clothing that was handed in was handed in washed in a neat pile by his father five year, five days after the crime.
0: Is he still incarcerated?
3: He was only charged with theft.
0: Theft, okay.
3: Yeah, so he's, he's not been,
2: at the moment. He's been incarcerated throughout the years. Um, there's On other stuff. Saw, yeah, we saw a recent mugshot shot of him and then now this uh, video on Facebook that you can watch, um, but not for this, for gotcha. other
1: things. And so I'm I'm assuming that if Rob, when he did try and tell the story, it kind of probably fell on deaf ears on the judge or the jurors because they're like, yeah, yeah, it's just your word versus his at this point, right?
3: Right. And I mean, one of the things, one of the things that's really frustrating is they, as in a lot of trials, they they really they they pick a narrative and they push it on the jurors. Right. And the narrative that they pushed with Rob's was, look how he behaved after the crime compared to the co-defendant. That he w- he looked guilty, you know, he ran away. He, he, it's not how an innocent man acts. And then they compared it to how the co-defendant acted and, me- and made it look like he acted like an innocent man. But there's so much evidence that is so much worse from the co-defendant. The co-defendant lied to the police repeatedly. First of all, he said that he didn't know Rob; that he wasn't there. Each of these stories change throughout his questioning, um, as he realises that he's digging himself deeper. Um, he, while in jail, confesses to other inmates. Um, he could, he makes statements to jail officers. These are actual jail records. These aren't. This isn't just jail snitch uh, testimony. These are these are jail records that he he made incriminating statements to jail officers. Um, he had he attempted to have a hit put on rob that's a, that's in a jail record i mean you can see that yourself
0: a hit um, while rob was in jail
3: yeah he 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 went to another inmate who had who was gang affiliated um, and asked him to put a hit out on rob he he wanted to have him killed obviously so he didn't have to wouldn't speak about the crime now this right. is again a jail record this is not this is not hearsay this he was had to be moved to segregation. Because he was trying to have somebody murdered.
2: Mm-hmm. This so, is actually that's actually part of the reason why one of his appeals was just granted because they want to hear more about. Is that, that the, hit the Brady
0: hit. claim? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I want to get so, to that in a minute, but before we jump there, how about we start with how each of you ladies got involved with the Free Rubwill dot org, and then we can kind of circle back to where we just were with the stories. That way, we can kind of get a a feel for how you were both uh, found out about it and why you decided to take action and help.
2: So 20, um, I think it was 2011 or 2012. I was, I just finished college a few years before that. And it sounds very cliche. Like I said, um, I was reading a lot of John Gershom books and he released one that was about, it was a fictional story, but it very well now that I know all of this could be real. Um, So after I read that book and it kind of, just like shook me, like I never read anything about this before. Um, I started doing research and found his website and read the story. Wrote to him. Um, never expected to be involved to the <laughs> caliber that I am.
0: How, how did you find how his story?
2: Uh, just from Google, just from googling like Texas, in, innocent on Texas death row. It came up pretty quickly.
1: Okay, and he wrote back. It to was you? the
2: second website to um, Todd. Todd Willingham, who was executed, um, I think it was 2004, was that right, 2004? Yeah, he was innocent as well, but he was executed for the crime that he was convicted of, so he still has a website, and I found his after that.
1: Yeah, and Texas seems like they don't really play around. They're the one state that they Mm -mm. execute people, probably more than the rest of the U.S. combined, I would guess.
2: Yeah, they are the highest. Since since last year, Texas has executed... 566 people um, since 1976. So they're the highest wow. um, state
3: with the most executions. When, when you think about that in comparison to the, to the whole of the states, since the 1970s, the date that she just stated, uh, just over 1,500 people have been executed.
0: So a third so, in so Texas. Texas wow.
3: a, a third in Texas. Wow. Uh,
0: yeah. How did you get involved, Tish, when you first came across Rob's story?
3: Um, I saw Paradise Lost about the West Memphis Three um, when uh, many years ago, and being that kind of weirdo goth kid myself, I just—I felt like somebody kicked me in the stomach when I saw it. It was like these kids are like—they're they're, going to be executed because they're the weird kid, you know. Mm. And that just blew my mind. And then when I started just to, just to look into wrongful convictions and things like that, um, it just it just became apparent quite how large a problem this is. You know, the West of history aren't unusual. Once you start getting down the rabbit hole, you realise that there are just an unbelievable number of people that have been wrongfully convicted. You know, 172 people have been exonerated. Um, from American death row since the 70s. Now, if you look at that compared to the number I just gave you, 1,500, that's 11% of people. And the the, the standard of proof is so high once you're already convicted to get off. I mean, an exoneration is almost impossible to get. So if we're thinking that only those people, only those people manage to meet that unbelievable standard, how many people are... We killing? How many people? How many of those men? Because it's probably not eleven percent. It's probably an awful lot more. And that—I mean—you can hear my voice. I'm getting quite emotional when I talk about this because it upsets me. It upsets when, me when that is any
0: exonerated, do they get any kind of reparations, or it's just like, okay, you're out of jail?
2: It depends Sometimes, on the state. Yeah, it depends on the state. It's—I feel like it's rare. It's more rare that they get compensation than they don't. Yeah. And okay. then also just because. We have an exoneration statistic, but a lot of the people who are let out aren't fully exonerated. Like right. Damien Eccles and them, they had to take an Alford plea, which meant that they were admitting their guilt, but they were being, being let go because the state pretty much didn't want to take responsibility for them being wrongfully convicted. So I think a lot of the people, I think more people are let go that aren't exonerated, but are free than are yeah. exonerated. It's a high, it's high standard to be let out, but then it's a higher standard for the exoneration.
3: Full exoneration,
1: gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're like, uh, oh, we're not going to take you off death row, but you still have a felony and you can't vote. And yeah. Can't
3: mm-hmm. And you guys, are, you know,
1: back,
3: so. guys are desperate by that point.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you've
3: been there yeah. 20 years. You've not seen your family. You've not got phone calls. You haven't even watched a movie in 20 years or felt somebody touch you, have a hug. Mm-hmm. At that point, if somebody said to me, You know, we're going to offer you this deal. You'll spend the rest of your life in jail and we know you're innocent, but we're not going to have murder hanging over your head. And you may get to actually have a contact visit where you touch someone you love. My Lord, I would take that. I would take that. And these guys do.
1: Yeah. I always thought it was a weird system. Oh, no, no, go for it. Just our, our judicial system of, you know, if someone's guilty, let's just say, let's just say like they know they're guilty and the, usually the, the prosecutor is like, okay, if you plea, then we take you off of death row, right? Because it's like, we want to make Please. this easier. So if you plea bargain, then we'll take you off of death row. We'll just give you life right. in prison. But if you're, if you're innocent and you're like, no, I'm going to fight for my case and you end up losing in trial, then you end up getting death row for the person who like really fought it because they fought for their innocence. Right. Whereas the person's like, no, I did this. I killed that person or whatever. I did this. And so I'm going to get a less case just because I'm going to save the taxpayer some money by just plea bargaining it out. and calling
2: right. it. Yeah, and, and some, innocent innocent, some,
3: people, sorry.
2: some innocent people, they'll just take a plea before the trial to avoid the death penalty altogether, and they'll take life in prison for something they didn't do, and that,
1: that's just... Yeah, and then that's got to be hard, afraid. because then, then if they try to appeal mm-hmm. later, it probably comes back, and I'm like, hey, why did you admit guilt here? Right. In
3: like, most states, you can't appeal if you've taken a plea. That's it. that's it. That's it. You're done. And you know, 97% of American cases are a plea deal. Only three percent go to trial. I mean, you've got so many innocent people that have pled guilty. no question
0: right no question so uh trish, back to your story um did at that point you start the free dot org or um you know after you you how did connect those dots for us?
3: um no, there was somebody else was doing it then uh, you know it, these days, it's it's Jess, Jess, and and for many years, actually, now it's been just Jess, pretty much just Jess and I. But before that, there were other people, you know, that have done amazing work for Rob. This has not just been about us, but this is a really hard thing to do emotionally. It's extremely draining and not everybody can, ha- can deal with it for that long or their might, lives may not, not, just fit around being able to do it. it it's emotionally and, and for other reasons it's a very difficult work to do. Um so I joined an existing um free rob will movement who who um I slowly just basically did more and more and more. And as people dropped off over time, I took on more and more until the point where I was doing the website and doing other bits and pieces. And then after quite a few years um then that's when Rob was like Tish needs some help <laughs> and, and Jess came along. Yep. Yeah. And
2: she um, does so much. Like with the, the, I don't know how I would survive with she without her around. She <laughs> does so much for him and for the um, movement and everything that it's just, it's just phenomenal. So.
1: So then, yep. Okay. So I say Jess, uh, so then you wrote to Rob and then did you get a letter back from him? Did you get a letter back from Tish? And then how did you then go say, okay, cool. Now I'm going to join the team and help out in whatever capacity I can.
2: Um, The first time I wrote to him, he did write back, but it wasn't really in the capacity of, can you help me? Um, I was in grad school at the time, um, t- taking my master's in publishing. So after I told him that, I think that he kind of molded that over and um, eventually in 2015 asked me to help with just the Facebook page. But that's kind of expanded to all the social media and communications and stuff like that.
0: So is one of the main uh, aspects of the free... RobWill.org is to just bring awareness to the situation, to get yeah. eyes on Rob's case.
3: Yeah, that's really the that is the main the main sort of goal at the moment. I mean, in the past it was it had been further things as we really needed good attorneys and things like that. But over the years, due to you know other people helping in the past, you know we've managed to get some good pro bono attorneys. Um, so we've got a pretty good team right now. Um, but look, from looking at, you know, how other people have been exoner- exonerated in the past and stuff. When people are executed and and innocent people lose their cases, it happens because it's being done in the dark. You know, people really t- need to know what's happening. Uh, and so a sense. lot of it is, is, is awareness. You know, people need to know. And um, people need to get involved because, you know, politicians do care if they're people. Are not happy with the situation so it is important that people people not just learn about rob's case but get involved you know on foodworld.org we've got a page called help us and on that it will explain different ways that you can help us from signing a petition to writing uh, to different officials particularly for texan that's extremely helpful we have form letters so you can just edit a little bit if you don't know what to write that kind of thing all of that can be found on the website um, So, because we do understand that it is quite hard for people, you know, you look at something and it's this big and you're like, what do I do to help? How can I help?
1: So, go for it, I was going to ask a question for Rob's um, initial murder case. Did he have a a lawyer or did he just have a public defender that represented him?
2: Yeah, he had a public defender that was very ineffective. Um, He, what's the details behind him? I forget. (laughs)
3: He actually had two two, uh, public defenders that worked on the case, and basically none of them really put in the work, as in a lot of public defenders, they don't get paid a lot, they're generally inexperienced, (laughs) the work just wasn't put in. Witnesses weren't brought to trial that should have been, investigations weren't done that should have been, should have been done. Um, In their defence, as we know now, with the Brady violation, the prosecution was hiding evidence. Mm-hmm. which is not their fault you know they that that had been subpoenaed that that's that's not their fault at all um but i feel that certainly rob feels that those trial attorneys um didn't just didn't really put the work in and that's not unusual with a public defender i mean they're not, a lot of it comes down to money
1: i would also oh. guess i mean maybe it's like the climate we're in now but the the politics of it when it's an officer who was shot, I would imagine that the state wants to get what they would call justice quick, you know, like, hey, we wanna Mm -hmm. we just want to pin it on this guy. This is Rob. He did it and we're gonna make him pay. You know, and like they just want to get that out there. You know, they don't the the last thing they probably they don't want to have, oh, he's innocent and now the person who shot this officer is at large and we don't know who it is or or whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know, they want they just want for the to make the story all wrapped up and good for them is, hey, the police, we've got justice. Now it's this guy. You know, he's the one that's going to have to fall on the sword.
2: And the prosecutor did pretty much everything he could to um, get Rob convicted. He, they put an ad out in a police newsletter asking every police officer to come uniformed to the, um, to the trial. And they called it the wall of blue because it was there intimidating the juries pretty much. Yeah. Um, and that prosecutor was later re- had forced to resign because of some scandals that he was involved with. Uh that's a whole different story. But yeah. They they even compared him to the this is his trial happened right after nine eleven happened, and they even compared him to the nine eleven terrorists to intimidate the jurors. or to,
0: oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. Um talk about uh the latest. Uh, happenings in the case I know we kind of touched on uh the Brady claim um so can you kind of just explain what that is and kind of tell us why it's so significant um
3: well let, let me give you a small overview just basically of where we are with okay, the trial so um after after um after the trial then Rob was given basically just as many ineffective appeal lawyers um, as he was given uh, trial lawyers. Um, his first direct appeal, the, um, sorry, the lawyer pub- uh, filed his appeal before the trial transcript had even been released. She wasn't at trial, the, the transcript hadn't been typed and released but she had already filed the appeal by the time that had even been released. So obviously that appeal was not gonna have anything in there that was gonna get him off. Then after that comes the state habeas. For his state habeas appeal, Rob was appointed a lawyer who had Parkinson's at the time, um, so was suffering from all of the symptoms of Parkinson's. Um, He didn't raise any issues of Rob's innocence. In fact, he didn't even Name Rob within within the appeal. It was twenty six pages long. When normally a habeas would be hundreds of pages long, and in fact, when looked into it, it was a copy and paste of a serial killer's appeal he had filed years earlier. Even the typos, even the typos in the appeal, were still in it when he filed it for Rob. So obviously, then that failed. Where we are now um, is that um, Rob um has just had uh just put in sorry my mouth is getting
1: very dry i can't believe he would even copy and paste in and that that little amount of uh effort to try and free Twenty
3: six (laughs) pages you know i'm a i'm a i'm a law student and my essays are longer than 26 (laughs) pages you know
1: you're like come on buddy just at least make make an effort like you're trying
3: just try a little little bit yeah i mean in the guy's defense he had parkinson's but what should happen in that point is that he should recuse himself
0: right
3: he should not be working on that case anymore and if he didn't know which you know maybe was the case he wasn't aware he wasn't doing doing the the correct work but then rob should get another shot at that appeal you know um And that appeal is pretty
2: much the reason how we are where we are now um, because since he submitted his first habeas appeal under the uh, 1996 Anti-Death Penalty and Terrorist Act, he wasn't allowed to submit another one.
1: Oh, really? He's
2: pretty much been fighting this whole time for another chance which is where we are now with the August um, decision. So how
0: was he able to get that through then?
2: Um, Basically, the sorry, go
3: ahead. So that you can go ahead, you understand the last level that is so um the so EDPA, pub the the act that she was just discussing was was um a, an act brought about um basically in the wake of the Oklahoma bombing to make sure that people could be executed quickly. Because cases were going very slowly through the courts, new mm-hmm. evidence would come along and they would get habeas after habeas after habeas, new evidence, another, and it would, was dragging things out. And and the, the general atmosphere at the time after the bombing, of course, was that people wanted things done quick. Right. Um, so that limited the fact that people, the inmates could have one habeas, one federal habeas. Um, Uh, and nothing more unless an extremely high standard was met and that um, it had been approved by a higher court, um, depending on which state that would be. Um, So um, Rob basically had to take it to the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit were extremely, extremely conservative. I mean, in fact, the... the, um, the judges that just ruled on his were all Trump appointees, which is an interesting one. So, you know, you can imagine how the level of conservative judges we're dealing with. Um, so basically he had to 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 have another shot at his uh, federal habeas. He needed to prove um, this very high standard, basically. Uh, we were very nervous because the court is, is, uh, is so conservative, so strict. Um, but but they felt that the Brady, Brady claims were a high enough standard for him to be able to have an application for another habeas appeal.
0: So what is the Brady uh, yeah. claims? Uh,
3: the Brady claims are, as we discussed earlier, so the prosecution um, did not uh, hand over all of the uh, documents that they were supposed to during discovery. And that was two items, one that... The co-defendant had made incriminating statements to a jail officer um, stating that he was involved with the murder. And the second was the paperwork showing that the co-defendant had to be put into segregation as he had tried to hire someone to have Rob murdered.
0: Gotcha. Um, So at this point, with that evidence, when would the next appeal be transacting um
2: so, we aren't exactly sure they just released the scheduling order last month so i think they'll probably have to have some extensions and things so it'll go it'll definitely go into next year for sure
3: initial filing is set out so the initial application uh to the amended would go in in december but then what would normally happen is that they normally, like Jess said, we know these parents, they will ask for extensions. They may ask for all arguments. They may ask for an evidentiary hearing. Um, but as Jess said, she's she's completely correct. It's going to be probably summer next year before we mm-hmm. really know anything at all. Yeah, I
2: wouldn't be surprised show. if it went into two, three years from now that wow. we we're still fighting it. And be forever. How
1: is Rob's, like mental state during all this. Is he stay really calm? I mean, obviously he can only do so much. Like, do you do you sense like extra anxiety like when it gets approved and excitement? Or is he just been kind of like Yeah, let's talk cold. a little
0: bit about Rob. Yeah,
2: he was shocked, I think, to say the he least. Was, he was I'm excited. Yeah. The last time when I visited him in January, um, he was completely confident that he nothing was gonna come from this. Nothing positive was would come from this. So he was completely convinced that it would be denied. So when we sent him the information about it being granted he was just over, he I I don't even know the word to explain yeah. <laughs> how surprised he was.
1: Because if nothing, I mean this like, way. This at least like was did he ha- already have like an execution date set then now obviously no. it would be pushed back. So he'd never had anything set. He's so.
2: never had an execution date set once this whole time. Which is very telling because a lot of these guys have multiple ones before they are executed like um i think robert pruitt was executed three years ago this month and he was innocent as well he had like five to seven dates before they did it and rob's innocence claims are so strong that he's not even gotten to that point yet
0: has uh what has rob done while uh incarcerated to uh you know continue moving forward through all this i would imagine like you said like He's got to at some point, probably be like, oh, "I'm gonna be in here for the rest of my life." Um, I mean, how does someone is he doing other things to you know keep his mind active, to continue to try to stay positive? What are some of the things that he's told you that he's doing while incarcerated?
2: Um so he has become a self- proclaimed artist while being in there. That's his main go-to um, to stay you know, grounded and everything we've done. He has a huge, huge collection, probably over 70 pieces at this point. And uh, we've done art shows before I was involved. There was one in Germany, Tish did one in England. And then we did a couple in New York city last year
0: Okay. with hopes
2: of we had another one earlier this year, right before um COVID started. But yeah, so that's a big thing for him. Um, he's also become a yoga instructor while being in there. He's um, been certified in paralegal legal assistance through a correspondence program. He's become a writer poet. Um, he was part of a dra- movement called drive. It was a kind of a protest from inside the prison to help with um, the conditions in there and to, not like a, an active or like an active protest, but it wasn't any kind of like, it was like a silent, nonviolent,
3: like, yeah, right, nonviolent.
2: Right. Like, yeah, protests inside the prison, kind of, um just to try to make the conditions in there better because Texas death row conditions are the worst in the country. Mm. I
0: like. So, I mean, that in and of itself, to me, kind of speaks volumes of his character that he's doing all of these things proactively, mm-hmm. improving as a person. I mean, you're in an opportunity yeah, right when, now to to either grow or to decline, and he's choosing to grow.
2: Yeah, and he's not even just improved himself, but he's taken it upon himself to teach people, teach other guys things in there. Like a lot of the people in there, there was one guy, Alfred Dwayne Brown. He was let go a couple years back because he was innocent as well. He was also prosecuted by the same person as Rob was, and they also had evidence in his case. Um, and he, when he got to death row, he couldn't even read, and Rob taught him how to read. Oh wow! Oh, um, he's taught people art, um, yoga
3: he and he teaches to... us stuff too like doesn't he yeah. I mean he likes to help people yeah like he really does this it's really part of his nature is that he wants to make the world a better place and when he talks about um when he talks about what he wants to do when he gets out there is no you know I, I don't know I want to go to a bar or I want to have kids mm. or I want to do any of that it's all what i can do to to work within the world to do to make it a better place you know mm-hmm.
1: if you go to actually direct to um the website freerobwill.org, you can click on rob's art and i have definitely. yeah I, I i got like, to it's see it's some really, of his art yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool yeah. you can definitely see some stuff is like i'm sure inspired by a lot of the reading that he's doing and some stuff is inspired by things he sees in prison you see some like these hands with like tattoos on it that makes me think of like you know something inspired more by prison and then other ones that you can definitely tell are probably inspired by books that he's read while he's been in there Mm
2: -hmm. and he reads (laughs) 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 i have hundreds of his books in my attic (laughs) yeah every time i go to visit he releases more and he has a huge (laughs) huge collection he doesn't want to get rid of any of them he wants to keep that's his only possession really so he doesn't want to get rid of them. He's always reading a lot of fiction books, but he reads about every subject he could possibly think of. Yeah.
3: I mean, uh, the, he's probably, I know a lot of intelligent people and he's without question one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. There are times, I don't struggle to follow conversations, but there are times when I visited where I'm like, what did you just say? Slow, let <laughs> repeat that just so I can comprehend some of his ideas. You know, he's mm-hmm. such an intelligent man
1: yeah so tish i had a question for you as far as you know being in england and are the laws like was it it difficult trying to learn everything law-wise in the u.s also with rob's case or do a lot of stuff uh translate between between english law you know english law and u.s law
3: what's actually been really difficult for me is that i started with rob several years before i decided to study law in the uk so i learned american law uh-huh. before i uh, learned the uk law and so now i'm having to unlearn american law and yeah. learn uk law there is some crossover we they they we both have a common law system that that all comes out of the same the same thing it's still precedents, you know it's mm. it it works similarly very different from the rest of europe which doesn't work that way um so yeah i mean Sometimes it gets confusing when I'm studying this, and I'll say I've said in class before that's a Brady violation. It right? <laughs> like, no, it's Brady? not? No, it's not. That's not. <laughs> it, not. But it, I mean, the, the big difference here is is we don't kill people, mm. we don't execute people, Um, and we don't tend to have the kind of sentencing that you have. Um, So we don't have sentencing you know we don't we don't put 14 year olds in prison for the rest of their lives so that's a big difference um, and yeah, it's also you that's guys the probably main don't reason.
0: have nearly as many incarcerations either i would say yeah.
3: oh no it's not not even close i mean you've got 25 percent of the entire incarcerated population of the planet in yeah. your jails and that's really the reason why you'll find me working in this and not volunteering with cases in the uk
1: Yeah, the U.S. prison system is all, it's so messed up from the, so many aspects of it. You know, I always thought of like, the you know, there's very little emphasis ever on rehabilitation. It seems like it's, it's just a, you know, we could talk probably a whole podcast on the problems of the American jail system. There's so many.
0: Yeah. So at this point, if people are listening and they're moved by the story and they want to help out with Rob, what, but you kind of had mentioned some form letters and I mean, are, is there funds that people can contribute uh, to help with the lawyer fees? Or what are different ways people can get involved?
3: Most of our fundraising these days is more for campaigning fees because, because we've, we've been very lucky to have uh, some pro bono help as well as is his appointed lawyer. Uh, we do fundraise and that's because it, it's, it's massively surprising how much everything just costs and every single thing that we do is paid for out of the pocket of myself or Jess mm. you know so even just down to the smallest things of you know when rob needs needs things like he needs books constantly he needs books because he doesn't mm. have a tv he doesn't have a phone and since covid he's not allowed visits either so you know running the website so travelling to and from for things that we've had to do all of that you know i've i've probably spent 20000 dollars on traveling just just traveling that doesn't include
0: so, anything else he's not allowed visits in covid but isn't there a, a glass in between
3: uh there's exactly. they're allowed in the prison
0: is that what it <laughs> is i
3: think that
2: they just are trying to keep visitors out because ah. the the guards are but the guards still bring it in anyway so it doesn't really make a difference they could still test temperatures and yeah. everything. they just want to give a reason not to let them have visits because they all they already they only get two hours a week um for us since we travel for from further away well he get he would get one special visit it's called a month which is four hours two days in a row so if he got a special visit and then a regular visit he would get eight hours for the special and then two hours for the week that the special wasn't happening so they already limit the visitation so much so they're just I really just think they're just trying to give a reason not to let them have visits
0: and is it all uh, of the prisoners don't get TV, or is he in a situation where he's not allowed to get TV?
2: No, death row. They only can have radio, no um, magazines, and books that are approved. There's a big list of books that are banned
3: that they're not allowed to have.
1: Really? Yeah. What books are? I wonder what books they. I'm sure you know the whole list, but that seems
3: random like things book. sometimes. Yeah. Random. I've sent him a vampire book. Denied.
1: Denied. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Denied because it was on their list as detrimental to the offender's rehabilitation oh. a he's on death row b it's a vampire
1: story
3: a, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It, yeah, but
2: right, um, it was on I the band's list wow <laughs> i've gotten denied books he gets art books a lot because he he's obviously a huge artist um and if any of the art has anyone naked in the art they will get denied, get denied. oh yeah it's not a real person it's not a real person yeah <laughs> Oh, man. so he's allowed the books magazines. they all have to be sent from like amazon or hamilton book we can't send them like from our house it has to be sent from the distributor and, and then
0: really he can't. has a radio he listens to
2: yeah he has a radio he listens to a bunch of different um uh, shows on the radio he listens to um npr and D- democracy now and
3: I mean, I, one thing I just can't. don't know if we've mentioned, and I think we may have just skipped over it, but forgive me if I'm wrong, is that Texas Defoe is kept entirely in solitary confinement. Oh, mm. So nice when I say no visits, you know, that's so impactful. He, he never, he gets out of his shelter out of his cell to shower and to go outside to a larger cage by himself.
1: Mm. Oh, wow, even his outside time is solitary. Confi-
3: solitary. Mm. Wow, yeah, man. unless he wants to shout to guys that pass yeah his cell,
2: like think of like a parking lot, a parking spot you park your car in, but all four corners of it are the the walls are up, and there's no window. there's a little slit of a window that he could possibly look out if he stood on his tippy toes on top of the bed, which just shows the prison anyway. um mm-hmm. they get fed to toilet a
3: and sink the one
2: thing is, they get yeah, fed everything. through a slot in the door like a dog, like it's just yeah. Wow. It's the and, worst yeah, possible so inhumane. I
3: can
0: And it's almost twenty years that he's been incarcerated at this point?
3: It's oh. on
0: the same mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I you know, hats off to you ladies for for really uh championing his cause, cause. uh like you said earlier, you know, there's a lot of innocent people that are incarcerated. And um, you know, for you guys to really help, uh, someone like this, you know, shows a lot about you two and, um, you know, can kind of teach us all that, uh, just because someone is incarcerated doesn't mean that they're guilty.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Out of curiosity, did the public defender even put the other kid, the the guy, the one who probably did it on the stand? No, Wow.
2: he wasn't interrogated. There was nothing, there was no forensic. They questioned him, him.
1: but not a trial. But they didn't put yeah. him on. Yeah, other Cash, what a how could you, that just seems like
3: for that. They had person, never had any intention of doing anything other than pinning it on someone that wasn't the cop's kid. Yeah. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah they He's never fingerprinted him. Oh really? That he was. He reasons. was. They didn't even. I mean, I try. One of the things I try and do is when I'm speaking is even though I know Rob, I'll try not to ever say anything. I don't have. the the evidence for written down somewhere so I can provide it. Here's where that was said at trial. And you can see on the trial records that they never even submitted the co-defendant's DNA as a sample for comparison. They didn't even give it to them to compare it to the crime scene. I mean, Was
0: the firearm uh, ever recovered?
3: The firearm was recovered, yeah, yeah.
0: But again, the other guy was never fingerprinted?
3: Um I, I, he was fingerprinted, but again he they not they didn't they took it but none of it was submitted. Wow. So but they didn't even take a DNA from uh, they didn't even take a DNA from him, they didn't submit it to the lab. So his, effectively, oh his shoe casings were never tested. So nothing from the crime scene was compared to his stuff. Um so effectively his DNA could have been all over the all over the de- all over the deputy right. but they would never know
1: it's um it's too bad it just totally seems like like you talked about it, it was just hey we need to we need to make this look good in the media and find a victim and that victim happened to be rob and it's like we're just gonna push it through you know they didn't yeah. care about a, a you know they didn't care about innocence it was just you know we gotta we gotta get closure for these cops and their families and we're just gonna push this through and not try and you know actually give them a legitimate trial. yeah i
3: think they knew they knew they knew the day they arrested him what they what their plan was going to be when yeah, they I had know. a cops kids. Okay. yeah they knew what they were doing and it happens well, also the, the
0: gunshot wound uh i would imagine that uh rob had probably there was a, a lot of evidence in of that because like if you shoot yourself in the hand it's going to be yeah. a completely different style wound than if a bullet's coming from further away
2: mm-hmm. they claim that he shot himself in the hand one the thing that always blows been. my mind is you always think you always hear about blood spatter and like criminal shows and all that. Rob had no blood from the deputy on him. I think what was it like a drop on his shoe or
3: something? The, the deputy had a d- drop of Rob's blood, one drop on his shoe from where yeah, he was shot in the hand. They, the like, sorry. They claim that he shot him from such close range. If he did that, there would have been blood all over. All but Not was, just close was, range, but they claim he stood over him over him and shot with a bleeding hand with mm-hmm. and we uh, if you can see that we don't have the pictures on the website do we but it, mm-hmm. he was not just showing that his entire knuckles were blown off if you meet oh, he's today not, he's still just got a massive with no yeah. no knuckles right. i mean we're in the photos from you know, the crime scene you can see it's an you see all the open bone there is no way you could stand over somebody and shoot repeatedly and not bleed all over them we actually didn't talk really frustratingly we, we didn't talk a lot about a lot of other evidence during the podcast I mean the other thing the prosecution said um was um uh, was sorry it's not the other thing they said so he stood they said that he stood over him and shot from above, at close range. But their own ballistics experts say that it was shot from behind, from the left, Mm -hmm. and long range. Even in their own chart, they state that that was the case. Mm -hmm. Rob was not to the left, long range, and behind. He was handcuffed and in front of the officer.
0: And this was in 2000?
3: This was in 2000, yeah.
0: yeah. I was trying to think back of, like, you know, the technology we had back then compared to now, it's always tough to... We
2: have DNA testing uh, back then in like the late, probably in all of the 90s and then early 2000s, there was a surge of wrongful convictions. Like the the Central Park 5 yeah. was right around then. Damien Echols and West Memphis 3 was in 92, I think. Um, so it, that whole area, that whole time in our in our country was, there's a lot of this going on. Yeah, so Rob's you- definitely not isolated yeah. in that.
1: You look at the whole thing, it's just so crazy. You look at you know, the fact that his co-defendant, I don't know if he would say his name or can't say his name, but anyway, it's the co-defendant whose dad is a police officer, goes to the house, has his clothes washed, bleached, um, confesses to, ro- to Rob, right, or to a mutual... No, so
3: to the three people that were at the house, Rob has... Rob's run away. Well, he already took <laughs> At this off, point, yeah. yeah, he's afraid and he's run. So he's yeah. gone back to, to the place and there were three people there. And I think, yeah, then you look
1: at the fact that the, the public defender doesn't even put him on the stand, doesn't bring in the evidence of his fingerprints, doesn't bring in any of these forensic evidence, um, just kind of lets it wash on a table. To me, again, I, you know, I, I feel like a broken record. I feel like they just. They just wanted to get, a, to get a guilty verdict on somebody.
3: And just I mean, not to hide the evidence that he ha- tried to have Rob murdered. Yeah. Now, why, why do you have, want to have somebody murdered in that situation? You want to do it because you don't want them to talk. Yeah. There's no and, other
1: reason. And when you add in that, you know, he was at the scene and they don't even get his fingerprints. They don't, like, they don't even submit it at all. It's just... Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating, you know, because even, let's say, like, obviously everything continues to go good and Rob gets um, vindicated and released. It's still been, you know, 20 plus yeah. years of his life that he's had to spend yeah. in solitary confinement. I mean, right now we're looking at, like, because of COVID, we talk about people who are dealing with depression and mental health issues for being isolated for you know, seven months, think of right. being 20 years in a jail, you know, mm-hmm. and what that, what that does.
3: And those years as well, those particular set of years, you know, I'm about the same age as Rob, you know, I'm, I'm in my early forties, that 20 to 40, man, that's that's, that's where you prime. become an adult, that's your prime, yeah. that's where you have kids, that's where you find what you want to do in life, that's where you have just, that's, that's it, that's such an important period of time to lose.
0: Yeah really is it's sad Not
3: that any 20 years is good to lose right.
1: no, yeah exactly
0: but yeah man well uh keep us posted on that and uh you know we'd love to get any updates on his case and um
3: oh, i really yeah. would encourage people to get involved as well if they can because it it's not just about helping helping people but it can really change a perspective on on for gratitude for a start Right. to remind yourself every day what you have every day what we take for granted when i walk my dogs that freedom just just every day i mean it can, it's so it's very impactful to know somebody who's going through this this kind of thing and you yeah. know it does help people but also i think it's i think it's good for people yeah, yeah definitely being involved with this has
2: changed my life in ways that i don't even think i can comprehend after being involved like i'm a, a different person from just Just what Tish just said. So, I mean, I know that it's a very uncomfortable thing for people to get involved with, but you grow in discomfort. So, that's what I would say to people who are considering helping someone.
1: That's good. So, I mean, I think for anyone who's listening to the the podcast now or watching this on YouTube, you know, go to freerobwill.org, learn more about his case, and help out in any way that you can. I mean, one of the simplest, easiest ways to help out, just like I think Tish mentioned earlier is share his story on your social media platform, share it with your friends, because just like you said, those, you know, these executions tend to happen in the dark when there's not, um, when people don't know about the case. So the more advocates out there just talking about the case, talking about Rob's story is going to help him out. It's also going to help out other people who are innocent on death row or maybe innocent on a life sentence that are going through appeals. So um that doesn't take much it just takes a little education and then just sharing it with people that you know and then obviously the next steps you can go to freerobwild.org you guys have a contact i i imagine on here on the home page
3: i was going to say that actually is is people new people will always bring something we've not thought of before so you know it's it's great if people can reach out and just be like you know i know this person or i thought of this have you thought of this um do feel free to drop us an email because we're always we're always open to hearing from people and also
2: our social media is at, at free rob will on twitter instagram and facebook and i always respond to messages on those pretty quickly So if they want to send on that, follow us on there. We're pretty active on social media. And that's
0: uh, probably also a good spot to follow along with, you know, where things are going with his case, Mm -hmm. I would imagine.
2: Yeah, we post almost daily. Um, We post mostly about Rob. Sometimes we will trickle in some just education about the system because I think that's also important because it affects Rob's case as well as so many others. So we really try to be kind of uh, universal with what we share on there.
1: Awesome. Well, Tish, Jess, thank you guys so much yeah. for sharing the story. Um, we'd love to be able to circle back some time, keep in touch, especially if there's any new information that happens to come out or any new uh, revelations with the case that you guys would uh, want
3: to share. We will us. add you to our mailing list.
1: Yeah, sounds yeah. good. <laughs> Perfect.
0: All right, Great. Thank awesome. You so thank much. you
1: so much.
3: Thank you for having us. Bye.
0: If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneroftheuniverse.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Let's face it. We're living in some unprecedented times. And there's never been a better time to have a plan B. Working from home has become the new norm. And let's face it. Multiple streams of income just make sense. As the world changes, we need to change with it. If you're looking for a plan B, head on over to mycorneroftheuniverse.com forward slash support the show, and click on LifeWave. It's a business in a box. Starting a home-based business can be scary, but with LifeWave, you'll get all the support and help you need to get your business up and running. And you'll be in one of the biggest trends in the market, stem cells. So head on over to mycorneroftheuniverse.com forward slash support the show, click on LifeWave,
3: and see how you can get involved in the stem cell industry at home.